This is the Circle City News. Listen or watch us on Facebook, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and other places that play fine podcasts. Or visit our blog at circlecitynews.org. Welcome to Circle City News Podcast. I'm your host, Sophie Hostetler, and today's episode is all about an Indianapolis nonprofit called Unconditionally. Joining us is founder and CEO, Sarah Daniel. Welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm super psyched to be here. Woo! Me too. Thanks for joining us. So um, what exactly does Unconditionally do for those who are just listening in and have no knowledge of uh, the organization? Yeah, so Unconditional exists to um, provide wraparound support and resources to women who have worked in the adult entertainment or sex industries. Um, and so what all that entails is when we say adult entertainment and sex industries, um, we differentiate there because not everyone who strips and works at strip clubs considers themselves a sex worker. Um, and just like not all sex workers consider themselves an adult entertainer. So to encompass both of it, we just say it all. Um, so we primarily work with women who work in the legal side of sex work. Um, so that would be working in clubs, um, OnlyFans, that kind of thing. Um, and though so anyone who has worked in any type of sex work or adult entertainment um, can come to us for services, but we our area of expertise is definitely um, more on the legal side of things. Uh, it can be a lot harder to get resources when you're in the legal side of uh, the adult entertainment industry because there's a lot more stigma. Um, people have a lot more empathy if someone, you know, is trafficked or is a street worker. Um, but if you're working at a club, people don't always want to hear the the rough parts of it, the, un, the unjust parts of it. Um, and people like to just make stereotypes about strippers that, you know, oh, you're a stripper, you must be dumb or you must be overly sexual or like all these things that are just not true. Smartest women I've ever met in the city are women I've met at the club. Um, anyway, that's side rant, but what Unconditional really does is um, we provide outreach. Uh, so we go into local clubs and we bring gifts for everybody that's working there. And the reason why we bring a present instead of, you know, say like a social service resource um, is because, you know, everyone who's in the club is in it might be in a totally different spot. Um, so to come in and say, oh, do you need help or do you need this is really disrespectful. Um, but we are a faith-motivated organization, so a lot of our motivation for going into the clubs is because of how terrible people of faith have treated sex workers and dancers. Um, so by bringing them a present and going there, it's really doing damage control to things other persons have done in the name of God. Um, there used to be a guy who would protest outside of one of our clubs and tell women they were whores and going to hell. And uh, yeah, that's not Jesus. And so we started bringing presents as just a way of saying like, hey, your job is really hard. Not a lot of people understand it. We know a lot of people judge you for it. And we just want you to know that we think you're awesome and we love you. And I want to be your friend. And that's it. No strings attached. And inside each gift bag is our contact card. Um, so, and it just says unconditional support for women. So if people need resources or help, they can reach out to us. Um, and, you know, there's, there's times where the clubs are super, super slow and where 
you know, or during COVID when all the clubs shut down, I suddenly had women reaching out to us saying, you know, I, I don't have any food in my home. I can't work anymore. I don't know what to do. Um, so then that was our first program that we ever did. And then since then we have added on programs that um, the women we work with have requested. So we started doing a support group um, and that is just a safe space that um, women can come to and vent about work or talk about trauma or things that they're going through and just have fun too. Um, and then we've added more programs throughout the year. Um, but overall, what we just try to do is be there for women on their journeys, uh, whatever that looks like for them, whether that's just being a cheerleader, someone you can call and vent to, or it's, you know, you need help not getting evicted from your apartment. Um, uh, if you are trying to leave the industry, which is very, very difficult to do, um, we're here to help you with that. If you don't ever want to leave your job, but you want to come to our annual Christmas party, we're here for that too. So yeah, so a little bit of everything. I'm trying not to over talk. <laughs> no, no, that all is sounds so amazing. And um, I really commend you for doing all of that. That it's it's really refreshing to hear that there's an organization like that here in Indianapolis, um, considering how, you know, most of Indiana is very conservative, especially, um, you know, when you were talking about stigma with um, sex work and the pleasure industry, if you will, the adult entertainment industry. And it just seems very awesome that there's something locally here that people can get involved with. Um, how did you get the idea to start this nonprofit? What really motivated this? Yeah, that's probably like the number one question I get. And I was just joking earlier with our staff that um, most of the time I feel like people are low-key trying to feel out if I used to be a stripper. And I was like, first of all, thank you. Second of all, no. Um, <laughs> I always take it as a compliment. I'm like, you thought I was a dancer? Right. Um, so, no, I, like I said, we're a face-motivated organization. And um, I grew up in a really small town. Uh, I was a pastor's kid, uh, all the things, and um, went to a Christian college and really just was, uh, frankly, a pretty judgmental, self-righteous person. And um, I always I always had a really big heart for, like, kids who are in uh, difficult circumstances, so kids who have a lot of obstacles. Um, and so I got really involved in the Boys and Girls Club when I was in college, and a lot of their parents were involved in sex work. And I remember one time... You know, I just, I was seeing the repercussions of some of the things that was happening in their lives. And I was just really on my judgmental high horse, like, get your life together. What are you doing? Um, get it together for this kid. And God just really broke down my heart and saying, like, you know, the women that you're judging are those kids grown up with no support system. So how are you going to sit here and judge them when they're still my children? Um, and that was just really kind of a wake up call for me um, of understanding people and their circumstances and, and that things are frankly not my business too, um, of how people are choosing to live their life. Right. And uh, then I ended up working at a camp in South Central Los Angeles, um, summer after my sophomore year of college. And we got to uh, shadow different organizations in the city to learn more about some of the obstacles our kids were facing. And one of the organizations we got to um, shadow reached out to transgender sex workers in West Hollywood. And they would just walk the same track every Thursday night and build friendships with people that are there. And then they had a church service in the 7-Eleven parking lot at like one in the morning with pizza. And I was just sitting there and I'm like, this is exactly where Jesus would be. 
like people that would never feel safe walking inside a church door because of how we've treated them, not because of their situation, but because of how Christians have treated them. Um, I was just like, this is where Jesus would be, and that's where I want to be. And um, not waiting for people to, not putting on other people of like, oh, you need to come and figure out your life, whatever, but just going to where people are with unconditional love and with literally no agenda. A lot of times people will say there's not an agenda, but literally not an agenda besides love um, and resources. And so that night I talked to a woman for a long time who shared her life story with me. And, you know, when you think about like human trafficking or things like that, like if your heart doesn't break for, you know, a kid who's being sold in Cambodia by their parents, like something's wrong with you if that doesn't bother you. Um, But what I really realized here in America is, there's such a spectrum of trafficking and it doesn't always look like someone holding a gun up to your head. And then if you're not, even if you're not being trafficked, um, you know, true poverty is not just lack of money, it's lack of support system. So as I was listening to this woman's story, you know, it's like, I'm never going to be in the position where I have to choose between turning a trick or getting evicted. That's not going to be a choice I have to make. I have family, I have resources. I'm never going to have to think, oh, me and my daughter are going to sleep on the street if I don't do this and if I don't have to break any personal boundaries that I have for the safety of my child and um, realizing that that is a choice a lot of people have to make and that that is an injustice um, and just that the main thing every human being needs is community and support and um, a support system people that are in your corner no matter what so I came back to Indiana and really couldn't get that out of my head. And uh, I just started praying for like two years um, with some of my friends and uh, started doing a lot of research. Like, okay, what's happening with sex work in Indy? Like what's happening for trafficking, all these things. And uh, that was in 2010 and there was nothing. Nobody was talking about trafficking. Nobody was really talking about sex work. Um, and so then I was like, oh crap, I guess I got to start something. So um this, this so story can be did. really long so uh and then I ended up um moving to Indy and interning at a church and when I interviewed for my internship I told my pastor I was like mm, he's like what do you want to do in your internship I was like I want to start a ministry for strippers and he didn't even blink he was like sounds good which now I'm like what it was wrong with you I was 21 I was an idiot like who knows um, and then shortly after I moved here, I ended up um, connecting with a woman at my church that I found out um, was a survivor of the industry. And um, she really took me under her wing and taught me everything about um, just cultural competency with this demographic and making sure that um, I'm not coming in as an idiot white savior, which she definitely was. Um, and so she really taught me just how to not be a jerk and how to not be stupid. and um, and how the industry works in India. I was clueless. Like, when I say I was sheltered, like, girl, I literally was, like, Googling, like, strip clubs in Indianapolis. I didn't know where to even start. And, like, Harry and Izzy's popped up. I was like, I went there for prom. I'm really confused. <laughs> like, it was a mess. Um, so, anyway, so then uh, we ended up learning from some other organizations and other states. On, who have reached out to women in this work and so that's when we decided to start giving out gift bags and so in December of 2012 uh, we launched our first outreach because we thought Christmas time is the least weird time to show up at a strip club with a bunch of Christmas presents. Um, 
and we called every club ahead of time too um because not, from the beginning we always wanted to make it clear that these are businesses this is someone's profession and we need to be respectful and make sure that we're welcomed like i don't ever want to go to a club where they don't want us there um and so i like called all these clubs and i was like hi my name is sarah um I'm from a church and we want to bring presents for everybody that's working. And not I forget what the manager had answered. And for just 30 seconds, he goes, say, what? Like, <laughs> and I was like, my name is and the whole, um, and they were really open to their sure. And we talked about when the best time to come is, um, and how many people were working there. And so our first outreach, we went to 10 clubs in, um, two days. Um, Because we didn't know how it was going to go over and where to kind of like focus them on. Um, And we got received better than I ever could imagine. Women just like were super excited and loved the presence. Um, And I actually just realized that one of the women who's in our program now that's been in our program since 2020, um, we just put it together that I met her on our very, very first time in the club in 2012. So that was kind of a cool, or so cool moment. Um, yeah. Yeah. So then we uh, expanded. We started going on the third Thursday of every month. Um, and then we've been doing that ever since. And uh, yeah, then slowly started adding on programs. And then in 2018, I took a leap of faith and quit my full-time job and made this my full-time job. Um, and then we added a case manager in 2020, and then in 2022, we added a volunteer and office manager, and then a program director and a housing director. Um, and we operated out of our church basement for a long time, um, and now we're in our own building. Uh, we actually just expanded our building. We're like busting at scenes now. Um, and it was about like three years before anybody really hung out with me outside of the club. And now we've served like over 80 different families this year so far outside of the club. Um, and now we go to five clubs and reach about 140 people every month through outreach. That's where we're at now. That's amazing. It's really cool to hear how far you've come in your own story along with that. I know you've um, you already brought up how you guys are faith-based and it was very refreshing mm-hmm. hearing you talk about, you know, growing up in a conservative area, growing up conservative Christian, that type of thing. Cause I resonate with that very heavily. I grew up in Northern Indiana where, you know, I grew up with like Amish people. So oh, sex wow. and sex work. <laughs> yeah. It's a whole different thing. I'll have to do an episode just about that probably. <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. But it's very refreshing to hear you that you've kind of, you know, unpacked a lot of that to get to where you are now. And I think it's a great message for other people to hear, especially, you know, in the times we live in now, there's so many people, which everyone's entitled to their own opinion and to believe whatever they believe, of course, disclaimer, Mm -hmm. but hearing people who are religious or who have faith-based practices that, um, you know, again, have unpacked that internalized um stigma about the Mm -hmm. adult entertainment industry and everything and how like you were saying earlier about um oh my goodness did i lose my thought how you were saying earlier about um being respectful going into these businesses and understanding that this is their profession and how you're not trying to change anybody you're just trying to be there to help and i think that's exactly like you had said what jesus would do jesus 
was great. I don't practice um, that faith any longer, but I still believe that Jesus would definitely do that. And it's just awesome to hear. Um, tangent off of that, um, I saw on the FAQ section on your guys' website that you are also supportive of trans women in the industry as well. Um, would you say that there is a lot of, I guess, stigma or, um, you know, people saying like, oh, maybe you shouldn't help them or anything like that, considering, you know, the political state right now with how trans people right. are perceived? You know, I actually haven't really had anyone come up against me on that. Um, you know, we've had to do some education with uh, our fellow clients. Like if some if a trans woman is there, like making, you know, reiterating, no, these are her pronouns, these are her pronouns, you know. And so that's kind of been more difficult of just, um, like, especially if someone's not necessarily, like, fully transitioned yet. So it might not be fully, like, I don't know, say, like, female passing um to the public um and so there's been having to do some education with our clients but they've never been like anti it's more of just like okay you slipped up quickly correct yourself use the right pronoun that kind of a right. thing um it was like donors and even our churches and stuff no one's um really been against that at all i will say i feel like i gotta be careful about this but <laughs> i feel like a lot of people talk about wanting to help the trans community. And what I found is there's actually not a ton of resources. There's a lot of talk because there's been times where I've had clients who are trans and I've been trying to find resources to keep them from getting evicted. I'm like, well, all these people want to help trans people. You know, it's like a very liberal hot topic. And the people that stopped the eviction were a conservative church. And so it's just like interesting to me that, you know, I think sometimes, and that's just not even just in this particular area. I was thinking about this the other day. It's like people love to talk about social justice issues. People don't typically like actually putting their money and their time where their mouth is, you know, um, where it could be so. messy or, well, what if that person's not the perfect victim or whatever? Um, so that, that's been kind of interesting to me. So there's been situations where I'm like, oh, there will be a lot of resources for this. And then I really start digging in. And I'm like, no, there's not. There's us. And let me go beg this church for money. <laughs> right. Awesome. Well, I'm glad to hear that there hasn't been any, you know, backlash necessarily or anything like that. It's, it's not just to something... my face. <laughs> right, right. I just, it's just something I wanted to touch on briefly about that. Yeah. Um, I think it's awesome. Um, moving on a little bit, um, what's one thing that you're really proud of the organization for accomplishing so far, which you can tell me more than one thing if you'd like as well. Yeah. Um, so one thing I'm really proud of is, um, so we developed a program called the bridge, um, and it is a holistic housing program. And so, um, housing is a very big social justice issue in Indianapolis right now, housing prices are skyrocketing, rental is skyrocketing. Um, but even before that happened, you know, we're seeing that one of the biggest obstacles is when you're in the adult entertainment industry and then you decide to quit, there is a huge financial drop off because, you know, 
not even counting like online work. If you're just going to the club, you'll make anywhere, you can make anywhere from 300 to $1,000 a night. Um, it's been a little less than that after COVID, but especially pre-COVID, you know, you can make good money. Or if you build up with a regular, you can call him and be like, I need my rent paid. He's going to go pay your rent. Um, so then if you are trying to transition out of that, uh, it's almost impossible because you might be locked into a lease that you got when you made stripper money. And now you're in a quote unquote regular job. You're waiting two weeks for your first paycheck. You're getting paid $15 an hour at the most. Um, that's a big thing. And then even if you are barely making it, you know, you are one emergency away from ending up right back in there. And, you know, some of the reasons people decide to leave the industry is, you know, sometimes that they're trying to stay sober and they can't do that work sober. Um, and then if they go back to the club, they know that they are at huge risk for relapse, um, which could be deadly. You know, I've, we've had women who have overdosed and died. It can be a matter of life or death. Um, a lot of times there's mental health, there's safety. Um, you know, people like to think like, oh, well, the clubs are, you know, regulated. They're a legal business. A hundred percent of our clients have said that they have been assaulted at work. And most of them are assaulted every single day. And sometimes I don't even realize that that's what's happening until we start breaking down like, no, that man crossed a boundary with you because the clubs are supposed to be no touch clubs. And like him reaching out and putting his hand up you while you're on stage is assault. That's not okay. That's sexual assault or that's attempted rape, like all these things um, that make it a very unsafe environment for women in Indianapolis. Um, or there's been, you know, stalkers that they won't kick out. Or, anyway, those are all reasons why, that contribute to women wanting to leave the industry. Um, and uh so then when you're trying to transition out, it's really hard. So then uh, one of our board members is a survivor of the industry, and um, she helped develop this program where we would um, provide 50% of women's rent for one year. Um, and then in turn, they get a wellness mentor, a career mentor. They're required to come to some financial classes. Um, they're required to come to some career classes and to support group or another recovery group. And the reason why we do it like that is because, you know, we believe that um, recovery and reaching your goals, it's a holistic thing, you know? So if we were just helping pay for the rent, that's great, but that's not going to help someone get from just surviving to thriving. So with the mentors, that's to expand their network, you know, most of the time getting a job, it's about who you know. And so um, with having a career mentor, someone who is working in the field that you're interested in getting to, they're taking you to networking events. They're helping introduce you to the right people. They're helping coach you on what to do to get into that field um, so that you can have those connections. I mean, most of the connections I have to make unconditional what it is, it's been through knowing through other people and building that, that network. And so expanding their social network. Um, and then we also offer um, a yearly retreat with their mentors and mentees where they can get time away from their kids and just really focus on themselves and relax. Um, and then we have different fun family community events too. So like we just had uh, got free tickets to an Indians game. Um, we were going to have harvest nights um, at the new field coming up and just things like that. So I'm really proud of that program um, because there's no other housing assistance program like that in Indianapolis. Um, most of the time it just focuses on that direct assistance or there's a ton of red tape um, or it's just something that kind of tips away at your dignity um, where I feel like we're able to implement some accountability to help you grow and that's not accountability of like 
well, we're giving you money, so you better perform this. It's just what how we talk about the bridge to our clients is, you know, this is a this is not a housing assistance program. This is a leadership development program. This is to help you thrive to where you want to be when you're just ready for that next level of I'm tired of being stuck in the same place. We want you to go all in to be able to get to where you want to be. Um, so we won the Impact 100 Changemaker Award this year, which was $100,000, and that's all for the bridge. We're able to enroll 10 women in that program now. And um, yeah, amazing. so that's probably what I'm most excited, I'm most proud of is um, that program because I think that it's really innovative and that I think other nonprofits will take note of it eventually and hopefully do similar things um, where it provides that holistic wraparound support and not just a temporary solution. I think that's, it's, everything you just said sounds amazing from a standpoint of, like you said, helping people not only survive, but get set up to thrive on their own. And I, again, I just commend you for thinking of all of this. And like you said, there's nothing like this going on in Indianapolis right now. So the fact that you're the not only one of the first, but probably the only organization to help people like this is really awesome. Um, wow. You kind of took the breath away from me for a minute. I really, like I said before, I know I keep saying it, but it's so refreshing to be able to talk with people like this about those things and um, really know that you guys are making a difference and congratulations on winning that award. I think that it's well-deserved. Um, are there any other, um, or, uh, parts of your organization like compass or the club 180 you want to briefly touch on while we have a little bit more time? Yeah. So, um, some of our other programs include, so compass is our case management program. Um, and so the way we do case management is a little bit different. You know, a lot of times you hear case management, you think of someone like being forced to fill out a bunch of paperwork and we do have a lot of paperwork. Um, but it's more about um, just helping women reach their individual goals and have resource navigation. So one of the misconceptions I feel like people have about women in the industry is that, oh, they must like mooch off the government or, you know, like just kind of like they assume that they're poor, which also, if you're in this industry, like most of the time you're making good money. It's when you leave that then you're forced into poverty. So mm -hmm. most of the women that we work with, and I always say most because everybody's story is different. So, you know, even with the stories that I'm sharing, it's important that if you meet someone who's worked in this industry to not have stereotypes and assumptions, because whenever I find myself like, oh, I have this industry figured out, I meet someone that's from a completely different circumstance. I'm like, okay, never mind. Um, so anyway, but most of the women that I have met in this work um, have been completely on their own since they were 13 to 17 years old. Um, typically starting sex work came out of survival. Um, I know women who were, you know, sleeping on a park bench at 15 from running away from an abusive home and stripping or survival sex was how they survived. Um, or they were trafficked since they were 11 years old. And then when they got out, then that's the only trade they really know. So then right. they're just doing it themselves. Um, so anyway, all that to say, um, Everyone has, you know, a different story, but those are some of the main, um, oh, I remember what you're going to say. Sorry, I lost my train of thought. It's okay. Uh, so w whenever uh, you've been in the industry since you were so young, you know, you probably started because you needed a lot of money really fast. Um, that's typically the origin story for most people, whether it was 
medical debt or from, you know, school or you aged out of foster care or whatever it might be. You needed a lot of money really fast. And a lot of times you may, you probably grew up not financially secure most of the time. So now you've worked in the industry from your 17 to 30 years old. You never filled out government assistance. You don't know how to apply for food stamps. Like you didn't need things like that. Like I'll never forget one time, one of the first times I met up with someone outside of the club. I was, I was broke. I was in social work. Okay. And so I pulled up in a rusted out 99 grand dam. It was a piece of crap. Um, and she pulled up in a Mercedes dressed to the nines. And I was like, all right, who's all the new? <laughs> and uh, right. I was just like laughing. Um, but uh, then when you decide to quit, then you need a lot of help figuring out like, okay, how do I apply for assistance or, oh, there's CCDF, which is uh, assistance for child care, like helping them navigate that whole system. Um, and then also vetting uh, social service providers um, because like we've talked about with the bias and everything that's true in nonprofits too I mean I've worked in nonprofits before unconditional with my full-time job and I've heard people make stripper jokes I've heard people make assumptions and um, so we do a lot of training with our partners of this is how you respond and this is what this actually means and these are the real obstacles that women have faced and this is the circumstances of why someone ended up in this work to begin with um, and so we're able to vet those and then send them to other service providers of like, no, they're good. I promise. And if you have issue with them, you tell me and I'll deal with it. Like they're not going to treat you bad just because of what you do for a living. Um, so that's a big part of Compass is that resource navigation, um, but it's always client led. So like, and there's no like, the bridge is our program with the most like quote unquote rules um, or structure because, you know, it's a leadership development program, but we never are like, Oh, to go to our food pantry, you must accomplish like these three goals from your goals plan. Nothing like that. It's, it's client led and client focused. So whatever they want to focus on, whatever they are comfortable with, that's, that's their choice. Um, and then um, we have a food pantry, we have a diaper, a diaper bank distributor, we have a clothing pantry, um, and all those things we try to make sure it's really high quality. Because again, the women that we work with are not people who are just constantly living in poverty who are okay with getting crappy things, which frankly, no one should be just getting crap and be like, well, you're in need, so just be thankful. Um, so we really make sure we have nice clothes, high quality food, fresh, healthy food, um, all those kind of things. Um, and then we have a program called Mom Squad, which is a short-term mentorship program um, in home. So um, women are matched with a mentor for three months um, where they come into their home and help them with a specific project. So that might be, you know, organizing their house or if they just have a newborn holding their baby while they can take a nap, um, whatever it might look like for them. Um, but the whole part of that program was realizing how little family support a lot of our people had. And how many things my mom just taught me, like, I'm not an organized person. So my mom would come over and boss me around of like, okay, here's how you put this together. Here's how you pack for a move or whatever. So, um, and then a lot of the times our, our mom squad mentors end up becoming our bridge mentors. It's really cool. Um, and then we have a survivor assistance fund. So um, women can apply for emergency assistance. Um, so we have a grant right now that provides uh, written utility assistance. Um, so we're able to provide that, which 
is really great, especially for when women are either not trying to go back to the industry or trying to not enter more dangerous situations. So I would say like desperation fuels danger. So, you know, you might have a personal boundary of I only do only fans or I only dance. I don't do extras. Well, then if your back's up against the wall, suddenly you're having to cross personal boundaries that you never would have and putting your safety at risk um, or your kids' safety at risk. So we're able to help um, prevent some of those by providing emergency assistance. Um, and we also provide free therapy on site, um, on site or virtual. Mm-hmm. And that's through another grant that we have as well. Um, and we have a trauma therapist who pretty much only works with um, people who've worked in sex work or survivors of trafficking or dancers. Um, and then, and then we have a lot of partnerships. So also with mental health, um, we have a partnership with uh, equine therapy where they provide us grants sometimes to take our ladies there. Um, we have partner with Biosound Therapy. So, yeah, and then our support group, Club 180, which no one ever calls it that. They always just call it group. I'm like, I don't know why I try and give things a name. Um, <laughs> we have we have a different focus every week. So it's every Wednesday from 1230 to 2.30. Sometimes we do our therapy through one of our partners. Um, another one of our partners does like a therapist-led um, kind of like trauma recovery group. Um, we have a domestic violence um, class once a month there as well. Um, and then on the last Wednesday of every month, we do a birthday party. So whoever's birthday it was that month, we celebrate all the birthdays from that month. Um, there's a lot of September birthdays, so people have been hyping up Virgo season, uh, which I am one. So <laughs> there we go, Sarah. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. So we do a birthday party in the last Wednesday of the month. We have cupcakes, make people wear crowns, and just have fun um, because we believe that you know recovery and healing it shouldn't always be heavy you should be having a good time too um and you know because we have lost women over the years and we have people in really dangerous situations a lot of times i don't take their survival lightly you know there was a client yesterday that got in a situation where she almost died and i was just hugging her crying like i'm so glad you're alive and so that's why we have birthday parties to celebrate like i'm so glad you're alive um and that's then we awesome. also throw baby showers um we have special events we do like a friendsgiving a christmas party valentine's day we do a spa day every year um yeah we do a lot of things <laughs> it all sounds so awesome and you talking about the support group especially really just like hit home for me in college mm-hmm. i was uh, i'm a survivor of sexual assault and mm-hmm. i um started doing therapy and my therapist was like oh i have a support group like you should come and being able to really empathize and help support other women when you're going through something like that is just made all the difference and um when I was going through all of that so that's awesome to hear that you guys also do so much fun stuff because like you said it you got to include everything all the emotions and being able to do stuff like that all together is just I know from personal experience it's just like the best way in my opinion to really make those connections as well um what would you i know on the website there was like a lunch and learn back in july is there anything like that coming up that you know people listening in if they want to volunteer or learn more become a part of the organization can do that yeah so definitely follow our social medias so our instagram and our facebook is at unconditional indy indy um so you can get regular updates on that we are about to schedule our next lunch and learn 
Um, we do have a big fundraiser in November, so November 16th. Um, we have an annual fundraiser called Stiletto Stories. Um, and that is at the Vision Lost building this time. Right now, we have early bird tickets um, are $35, and then October 16th, it'll go up to 50 um, So you want to make sure you get that cheaper price. Um, and like I said, it's November 16th at 7 p.m., um, and you can find that info on our social media, on our website, and then also you can buy tickets directly at stilettostories2023.eventbrite.com. Um, and that's a great event to really learn more about us. Um, we're going to have a whole section about a day in the life of unconditional. Um, we'll have speakers uh, who are some volunteers and some current clients. Um, and we're always very careful about who you know shares their story. Cause, um, we want we don't ever want women to feel shame about what they've gone through, but also never want them to feel pressure or feel like exploited during their story. So. Um, so that's just my always my caveat with our fundraiser of everyone who shares, people who feel really passionate about sharing their story and educating other people. So that's a great place to come. Awesome. And uh, I know from the website as well, like you do take volunteers, is that correct? And if you mm -hmm. want to just briefly touch on maybe what some of the volunteer work would look like if some people listening are really wanting to get involved. Yeah, so um, we have a spectrum of ways to volunteer. So whether you are like, I really want to commit to something every single month, you know, we have our mentors and our mom squad. If um, you're like, you know, my schedule is a little wonky, I don't know, then we have people that, um, you know, like are on our moving team or our meal team. So like we have a lot of people who need to move quickly sometimes out of domestic violence situations. We rely on our volunteers to help make that happen. Um, we have a lot of pregnant people right now. We have two people who gave birth on the same day. So we're always doing Aww. meal trains um, so we can, you know, help the new moms. Um, so there's so many different ways. And we do need guys to volunteer because, you know, I hate lifting heavy things. And I am a feminist in, in, except when it comes to lifting heavy objects. And then right. I am from the 50s and I want <laughs> the men to do it for me. Um, so we always need men on our moving team, especially um yeah so and, and then we always need people to sponsor our gift bags so you know um they can work with our program director and um uh sponsor a club one month so they provide everything that we put inside and pack it together and make it look cute uh so yeah so basically if you have a skill i'll find i'll find a use for it um yeah that sounds awesome thank you for putting all of that out there for everyone listening um talking to you through all of this has been very eye-opening and again like i've been saying very refreshing and um i love the work that you and your uh, organization is doing so thank you so much for joining us is there any last minute little shout outs or promos or anything you want to do um yeah uh just yeah follow our socials and keep in the loop um we are hoping to relaunch our podcast called it's complicated conversations about the sex industry um so you can go ahead and subscribe to that even though it hasn't been updated since 2021 <laughs> um, okay yeah and really the best way to get involved is to give uh we are growing so fast so we really need monthly donors um whether that's five dollars a month or five hundred dollars a month uh every every single dollar makes a huge impact um and yeah and just continue to educate yourself and and don't judge you know we say less judgment more love i love that 
I love that. That's awesome to hear. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. And for more information for our listeners, if you want to check out Unconditional, go to unconditionallyindie.com and as well as our social media. Thanks again, Sarah. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks. See you later. Bye. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.